All right, there we go. Nico, all good? I know this is your, your first time. Uh, I'd, I'd always like to make sure when it's people's first time that they see how the UI works and, and, and how everything goes. Yeah, it seems like it's all it's all working well. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's go ahead and kick this off. Uh, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Sports with the Z. I'm the Z, Zach, your host. As always, uh, today, uh, another very special guest. All of my guests are special because they're all dedicated sports fans, but especially <laughs> this one, Nico Pena-Brown. Uh, another one of my friends from college, but the most committed Seattle Seahawks fan uh, I, I know. And so uh, I thought it was only right to have Nico talk to us. I'll be happy to, as, as always, I will always take callers and I can, I'll invite people up to the stage to speak, but I want to get the ball rolling a little bit with some intros and then, and then I'll take some calls and, and we'll see uh, how it goes. But Nico, let's just start off with uh, a brief intro of yourself, how long you've been a Seahawks fan, your, your best memory and your worst memory as a Seahawks fan to, to, I just I have to treat everybody the same. I've done this with everybody else so far, uh, but I'll, I'll I'll give the floor to you yeah. and, and let you take it from here. I appreciate that. I honestly think that the the worst memory I think is probably pretty predictable. But um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so we obviously went to Stanford together. I've been a Seahawks fan my whole life. My mom's from the Seattle area. I grew up there. I actually grew up in the Dominican Republic, um, and so I'm probably one of maybe half a dozen Seahawks fans, if not football fans from there. But yeah, I mean, I've watched all the games, um, going back since as early as I can remember. Um, and yeah, just, just been a huge Seahawks fan. And I'd say that my best memory, um, is actually that NFC championship game against the Packers back in 2013. Um, that huge, crazy comeback by, uh, led by Russell Wilson. Um, and then (laughs) followed shortly thereafter two weeks later in the Super Bowl. That's probably my worst memory. Uh, and it's and it's honestly kind of funny because I remember watching it and I just kind of it just took a really long time to sink in. I was watching with a bunch of you know friends and family, not a lot of whom are Seahawks fans, and they all just kind of freaked out. And I just kind of stood at the screen and I, I wasn't I wasn't completely devastated. I wasn't surrender Cobra. I was just I couldn't believe it. it. Took me a long time to really believe it, and things really fell apart kind of for the Seahawks in terms of their Super Bowl window for that that kind of era. So yeah, worst memory for sure. Yes. Yeah, so, sorry to <laughs> make you rehash that. Uh, Reopen some wounds. You know, you know, it's, I have to treat everybody the same just because you're my friend. Of doesn't mean I can uh, let you dodge that question. I think we all, any, any sports fan uh, remembers that moment and just the sheer shock. I remember I, it was one of the yeah. first times I yelled, at, you know, yelled during a game that was not a team I was strongly invested in. Obviously, when we're all watching our teams, I remember yelling, mm. oh, my God. You know, it, it, I was in a room <laughs> with uh, uh, a lot of my friends yeah. uh, just watching the game. And just what a uh, we don't, this is I'm sure you still haven't recovered from that. So we, we don't need to jump yeah. uh, that much more into it. But with that, Nico, thank thank you for giving that intro. Uh, overview just so everybody knows the dedicated sports fan they're uh, hearing from today uh, as the uh, title uh, suggests we are going to talk about your Seattle Seahawks uh, and a little bit of the NFC West uh, from I think you'll be able to provide a unique perspective that on the Cardinals Rams mm-hmm. and Niners given that you play them twice a year and you've been playing them twice a year for forever and uh, would love to yep. hear your thoughts 
on your divisional opponents. And then we'll dive into whether the Seahawks will finally let Russ cook. Uh, and and I'll let you take it from there. But, you yeah. know, uh, why don't we just start? Let's start with the Rams. And we'll just spend sure. a couple minutes, uh, you know, just what your thoughts are on them this, what your thoughts are for them this coming year. Uh, and let's just go and start with the Matthew Stafford acquisition and whether that makes makes you any more fearful of, of this team. Oh, my God. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm terrified of everybody in this division. That's including the Cardinals. But, you know, the Rams in particular, they've been giving the Seahawks trouble since before they got Sean McVay. It was always, even when the Seahawks were dominating the division, um, the Rams, you know, that one of those two games was going to be fun. Well, both games were going to be funky. And one of them we were definitely going to lose no matter what, even when, you know, I, Clemens was their, their quarterback or whatever. So now it's, it's still something that I, I'm worried about. I think Matthew Stafford has the potential to be a top five QB in the league. I know that for some people that's a hot take, um, but I genuinely don't think so. And if not, you know, top 10 is definitely the conversation if he can stay healthy. Um, the things that Sean McVay has been able to achieve with the Rams, just even with, you know, Jared Goof, at quarterback, is, has been pretty incredible. I mean, t- to be honest... <laughs> Let's be let's be nice here. Let's be nice. We, no, of course. I think I mean I think Jared Jared Goff ha, is uh, he. No, I, 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 I'm just kidding with you, Nico. You you go for it. You, I know you, I know you're not a Rams fan, so so you. No, no, no. I, I think the thing with Jared Goff is when things fall apart in the middle, in particular when he gets pressured, he kind of freaks out. Um, but when he's in rhythm, he's one of the best passers. I think outside the numbers, he's incredibly accurate. And we'll see what he can do in Detroit. I'm not super helpful, hopeful just because the supporting cast isn't great. But yeah, I think the Rams are going to be the favorite in the division. I mean, they already are. Um, I think the, the Seahawks can give them a run for their money. But, it, you know, like, again, the, the, the division itself is a toss-up. Um, I think they got a little thinner on defense. Obviously, they lost Joe Steely as their defensive coordinator. I don't really think that's going to make as big of a difference. As you know, I th- I've seen a lot of people. I think you you see the, the the national media go from oh, it's something people aren't thinking about as much, and then it, that's kind of everybody's take. So then it becomes kind of the consensus is oh, it's, that's an underrated aspect. But they become a little a little thinner. But even then, I mean, Darius Williams was amazing last year, and, and that goes without saying that Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald are two of the best defensive players uh, on offense. He, he, they lost Kim Akers, which I think is a big blow. But even then, I think Joe Henderson, his injury just seems to be you know, a thumb and something I think he can come back from. I think Sony Michelle can actually play a decent role in that offense as well. And Cooper Cup has been terrifying, you know, the Seahawks with those crossing routes for, for a couple of years now too. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's a team I'm scared of. Yeah. I, I agree with you on it as a team, which you should be afraid of. I think Matthew Stafford is one of those quarterbacks that, Frankly, it was unfortunate the situation he was drafted into as every young star drafted by the Lions. That is their story, unfortunately. Uh, Matthew Stafford's a very talented quarterback, yep. and he obviously had Calvin Johnson, Absolutely. but you know he's never had a wealth of talent around him, and he, he was able to do pretty great things. Uh, you know, I think the Lions, I believe they made the playoffs twice with him, and each time it was an exciting game because Stafford tried to keep them in it and their defense just couldn't hold them together. And that won't be a problem with the Rams. Uh, I, I do think it is a team to be afraid of. I'm curious where he falls though in the quarterback pecking order, just because there's, 
there's a lot of good quarterbacks in this division. And sometimes, and, and on one of these teams in particular, there's two good quarterbacks, or we'll get into Jimmy Garoppolo. But uh, I, I think that <laughs> a really interesting storyline to look out for where he falls in that quarterback pecking order. And, and with that, because, you know, I want to leave us plenty of time to jump into the Seahawks. Uh, let's let's kind of dive into the next interesting quarterback discussion in that division, uh, in your division, which is the Niners. Uh, you know, Trey Lance. Yep. I, I wouldn't say a shock pick. I mean, I definitely didn't think he would go number three overall, but the Niners clearly had a lot of confidence in him to trade a lot of assets to acquire him. Um, and so I, I guess it sounds like they're going to be going with a two-quarterback strategy, which when is that? never panned out uh, so so we'll see what happens there but what are your thoughts on the yep. 49ers as an an opponent because that in recent memory actually has been the the more intriguing division rivalry the seahawks niners just i mean going going back to the richard sherman michael crabtree days i, I think it's mm-hmm. i think it's taken a little bit of a hit recently just from uh, mm-hmm. An interest perspective, but uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on on the Niners versus Seahawks this year. I mean, you're going to get for me a pretty consistent theme about the NFC West, which is it's. I'm scared of all these teams. Um, <laughs> I think the Seahawks can compete, but it's also a team that I'm. You know, they had they were the worst injury luck. I think. I mean, last year they were, and they've been in the top ten worst injury lucks for the last three years as well. So even in their Super Bowl year, they had a lot of injuries. Most of them weren't season ending, but it was still a rotation of characters. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, they've lost some depth of defense as well. Um, but on, on offense, I'm, it's still a team that I'm scared of. Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk when healthy are just scary big and scary fast. Um, the point you make about the quarterback position is one interesting. I think I, I buy into the idea that when you have two quarterbacks, you don't really have one. Um, and while there were a lot of big highlights during the preseason where you would see you know, oh, 80-yard bomb by Trey Lance or, you know, option play on the goal line. Um, he struggled uh, with a lot of stuff. He hasn't played a lot of football. I know this is something most people know, but played one game last year. Uh, and he, he took a lot of sacks in the preseason. And I think that's why ultimately they, they stuck with Jimmy Garoppolo. They're going to mix Trey Lance in just because of what amazing of an athlete he is. Uh, and I do eventually expect him to take the reins. But ultimately, for the short run, he's, he's a quarterback that I'm, I think resembles Cam Newton. Not, I mean, not Cam Newton. I mean, Cam Newton to some degree. Um, but Colin Kaepernick, in the sense that he, he, he can run, he has an insane arm. But I don't necessarily think he's, he's, he's a quarterback that I'm going to be scared of for 10 years, if that makes sense. Really? No, he's not. Really? So that's – well, I guess that's why I, I like to have divisional perspectives on the show because that, that's one of the first times I've heard that from – uh, and from the eye test for me, going back and admittedly, I wasn't too familiar with Trey Lance before the draft. I do watch his North Dakota State, but the guy <laughs> seems like he has the potential for Mahomes 2.0 from my my perspective. But I, I guess you'd push back on that. No, no, a, a little bit. It sounds like. I mean, I, I I I would. I think he has a lot of the physical tools. He doesn't have the off-platform throws the same way that I say Mahomes has in terms of accuracy. He lacks accuracy. And only, we've only really seen one quarterback, at least in my life, that's been able to fix that, and that's Josh Allen. Um, he, he lacks accuracy. I think he can make up for it a lot with his athleticism and his ability to maybe just use his arm strength. But I, I, don't, I don't see him as a, as, as a guy who in 15 years has really figured that out. Again, I could be proven wrong. People were proven wrong about Josh Allen, but that's just, you know, 
one proof point. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's going to be someone that, that we're scared of for two or three years, but ultimately I think that athleticism kind of wears out. People get figured out and I haven't seen anybody really figure that out. I mean, it's not like Patrick Mahomes is a world beating athlete, um, in the sense that, you know, he's not super fast. He's just incredibly smart. Um, and people are so scared of his ability to throw off platform, make any throw. Yes. No, I mean, yes, but I mean, Patrick Mahomes is still a pretty great athlete. You know, he's, it's, it's, I think. Not in the traditional I mean, sense. He can still run. He can still run. I mean, there's nothing Patrick Mahomes can't do. You know, he's not, it's, right. he's not right. Tom Brady outside the pocket. You know, no, it's, no. So right, and just he's the greatest thrower I, I think I've ever seen. Uh, I think Rogers, mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, obviously has to be in that discussion. Um, but okay, so that's really interesting for me. I think you know I try to have all my stuff together and, and predict what people are going to say. And you know, you and I have talked sports before, but that was I was not expecting that's why I guess you're not would not be as afraid of the Niners this year, or you would more rather Trey Lance take more snaps than Jimmy Garoppolo from, from what I'm hearing. Oh, absolutely. I think I'm, I'd much rather have Jimmy Garoppolo in there. I think Trey Lance, again, he's, it's kind of a Colin Kaepernick, maybe Cam Newton type thing where it's, he's very scary for three or four years. Uh, But I don't, I don't see him being, you know, a world beater in, in 10 years, the same way that I, you know, might see, um, someone like Russell Wilson back when he started his career um, or Patrick Mahomes, obviously I can see him play another 15 years. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel on that end. And it's not, a, I don't have, I don't have the numbers to back that up. It's just an eye test kind of thing. It's look, working on, you know, previous experience, previous proof points of what the kind of players he reminds me of. But again, I can always be proven wrong and that would be very scary. Sure. Uh, j- just to give the audience uh, a little bit more perspective. If, if you're not a big football fan or not too familiar, Trey Lance was the uh, third overall pick in this past NFL draft, uh, which was, I would say, Nico, probably a little bit of a surprise. Cause I don't think many people were projecting that. I think there was talks that Mac Jones was maybe mm-hmm. going to go there, or if a dual threat quarterback was going to go three, it would have been Justin Fields. So, but Trey Lance is just has a cannon for an arm. You know, I think Nico did a good job comparing him to Cam. I know you meant Colin Kaepernick, but Cam Newton is, is a good comparison too. Uh, so that's, but definitely very green as far as experience and probably football IQ as well. Uh, so I think while I'm a little surprised, I don't totally disagree uh, with what Nico has to say. Um, but what I think that is a good segue into is the last non Seahawk quarterback in this division worth discussing and that is a running quarterback who has the starting job and has, quite frankly, been a very good starting quarterback, despite what I think is some questionable coaching and uh, surrounding talent. And that's Kyler Murray, uh, the number one overall pick two years ago uh, out of OU. Uh, you know, he he was gifted DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of chips last year. Uh, <laughs> we don't need to jump into that. But, I mean, what what do you think about... Uh, Arizona this year, it seems like with the draft, they tried to shore up that putrid defense. Um, and, you know, Kyler's dynamic. And uh, I think he's what people hope Johnny Manziel would have been in the NFL, but just a better version. So what? let's let's talk about the Cardinals for a little bit before we jump into your Seahawks. Yeah. I mean, again, like, I think Kyler Murray is a very, very gifted quarterback, uh, incredibly athletic, can make every throw. He kind of throws the football like a like an outfielder which obviously makes sense given his background he was drafted to play 
for the athletics and chose football. Um, again, he can make a ton of throws off platform. I think he fell off at the end of the year with a, because of a combination of things. First, he seemed to have injured his shoulder. Um, and then I also think, you know, his, the, the coaching on that side um, is unideal. Um, well, let, let's be clear. Cliff Kingsbury should not be a head coach in the NFL. He shouldn't be a coordinator. No, NFL, I agree. Should, I mean, they, they, but, they picked him because they thought maybe they could capture kind of the Sean McVay lightning in a bottle type. Thing. Exactly. It, it, it's the McVay effect that I had a Bengals fan on uh, last last week uh, when we were talking about Zach Taylor. Uh, it's the same right. exact thing. Perfect. Sean McVay, and just to give everybody a little more context, Sean McVay is the brilliant head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, one of the, one of the smartest, I think, just football minds of this of this century. And he was hired by the Rams uh, after they fired Jeff Fisher, who had been their longtime head coach. And the Rams were kind of a sputtering team, <laughs> sputtering offense. They had recently drafted Jared Goff, who we talked about earlier. Unika was so nice to uh, uh, give a shout out to earlier. Um, and he came in in year one, he took them from one of the worst teams in the NFL to an 11 and five elite dynamic offense. And he was one of the, first really young head coaches hired and all of a sudden these front offices uh went wow we can hire young people and get these results we don't have to hire people who have been a head coach for 20 years and then there was kind of a run on young uh offensive coordinators that frankly were unproven uh zach taylor was one hired by the Bengals, and cliff kingsbury who was fresh off of disappointing with Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech, was then hired by the Cardinals. Uh, and I think it's been disappointing, yeah. to say the least. So that, just to give people a little more context, um, I, I don't disagree with you about Cliff Kingsbury. And, uh, I mean, I'll turn it back over to you. I, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I think that's something worth noting, that coaching is no. so important in this league, and Kyler Murray does not have that on his side. No, he doesn't. And I think Cliff Kingsbury must realize He's kind of on the hot seat here, and he's going to have to come up with something more creative on offense. I don't really like their weapons outside of DeAndre Hopkins, though, still. I mean, I think they, they short up their offensive line. Um, Rodney Hudson was a great addition, someone I kind of wish the Seahawks had targeted. Um, we still got Gabe Jackson. We can talk about that a little later. But outside of that, I mean, Christian Kirk's unproven. Andy Isabella is very slow. He had some good plays last year. Um, and then the running back group is, you know, Chase Edmonds and James Conner. James and, and don't, don't, forget, don't forget they brought in A.J. Green. Yeah. Well, you know, AJ Green, I, I, I think we'll see if last year was just kind of an anomaly. The last two years have kind of been, were kind of an anomaly for the Bengals. But, I, you know, I'm not, I, I think he unfortunately may have lost some of his speed, some of his ability to separate. Um, and he was kind of a guy who was already not great at separation, he was a contested catch kind of guy. So losing some of that, I think, is even, even more problematic. But we'll see. Again, I, I think they have a ton of talent, a, a ton of talent at quarterback. Um, and a decent offensive line. So I'm still be scared of them. I still think they would probably rank last in the division overall. I think some of the additions they made with J.J. Watt um, during the offseason, they had, they brought back Marcus Golden, stuff like that, I think could help their, you know, shore up their, their defense a little bit. Even, but even then, I'm not, sure. I'm not sure it's enough. Uh, Buda Baker's world-class, but beyond that, um, Byron Murphy was, yeah. Yeah, so, so from what you're, sa- what you're saying is we kind of, uh, tie up this conversation about the non Seahawks teams is Rams are the pretty clear front runner uh, among that group. And then you'd slot in the Niners and then Cardinals of, of those three teams. Uh, yep. Yep. I think that's okay. right. So, 
And, and again, like I'll reiterate this point that I made at the beginning. I think this division is such that it's. It, I would not be surprised if the Cardinals were the second best. You know, um, or, or you know, I think all these teams are going to be really, really close. No, that's. Uh, you know, I think that's more or less the consensus. I think you're a little more bearish on Trey Lance than a lot of people mm-hmm. are. Uh, yep. So uh, obviously, that remains to be seen. But but with that, let's go ahead and, and jump into the team you are the expert on, and that is that is the Seattle Seahawks, uh, who I still think have the best quarterback in the division. I, I think Russell Wilson is better than Matthew Stafford and Kyler Murray. Uh, yes. But so I think we can take this a few different directions. I I always like to defer to the fan to kind of dictate the conversation because I have in my head what I think should be discussed, but the whole point is to bridge the gap between the national media perspective and what is probably the truth, which is the local fan beat reporter perspective that people aren't really exposed to. Uh, And I'll just provide overview that from my perspective, this is a team that uh, has the potential to be a lethal offense uh, with Russell Wilson, one of the best quarterbacks uh, quarterbacks and and they had that earlier this year or earlier last year and then it kind of just totally fell off a cliff uh, in the second half. Uh, do you want to start there talking about the offense? Should we talk about Pete Carroll? Should we talk about you know if anything what I said just now yeah. is is right or wrong? What, where do you want to take this? No, I mean you're completely right about the offense falling off. Um, I think the one piece that I worry about kind of I think there's kind of a dissonance between what's actually going on and what. The, the national media talks about is the whole let Russ cook thing. Are they, you know, you mentioned the beginning, are they going to let Russ cook? They let Russ cook last year. Um, And frankly, the year before that too, they had very high first and second down um, pass rates and they were very successful at the beginning. The problem was when defenses figured out that, you know, cover two would work to really slow that down. Those long passes down the seams weren't going to work as much. That's when things kind of got very complicated and the, the offense really fell off. Um, and I, ultimately, I think that files on Brian Schottenheimer to a degree, who was our offensive coordinator, is now passing in coordinator with the Jaguars. I think he didn't he he was either unable or unwilling to adjust there. And I think some of it also falls on Russell Wilson. I think he created a pressure around there that that the team just kind of felt they had to keep passing. They had to really keep passing when I think a little more balance was warranted. Um, this is this was not 2018 or 2017 when the the team ran it. You know, uh, much to my chagrin, even in that playoff game against the Cowboys. Um, but I, I think that a good combination, they, 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 they brought in Shane Waldron to be the offensive coordinator. He was a running game. The, yeah, the offensive coordinator that he was a running game coach for the, uh, for the Rams last year. And I think that that's really going to be great. A lot of quick passes, not having Russell Wilson hold on and get beaten up in the pocket every other play. I really do think this team can really capture a lot of what they did in the first half of last year. Um, they're bringing back DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. People talk about, oh, they don't have a third option. You know, we drafted D. Eskridge in the second round. Freddie Swain has kind of shown off as being really kind of a quick guy who can make some plays. So I'm, I'm really excited about this offense. Bringing in Gabe Jackson on the offensive line, I think is going to be great. Damian Lewis really showed off as a rookie last year at guard. So I'm, 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 I'm excited, cautiously optimistic. Yeah, so there's a lot to unpack. So thank you for all that. I mean, that's a lot that, you know, I wasn't too familiar with. Um, But there's a lot to unpack that I really want to, what stood out to me the most is uh, the reason why the offense 
kind of tanked the second half of last year. And what you're saying is they came in with a formula, with a game plan to, quote, let Russ cook, uh, which to everybody listening doesn't know what that means. Just letting Russell Wilson do his thing and throw the football because he's really good at it and not trying to be a run first offense, let Russell Wilson just kind of fling it. And they were doing that. They were, I think, arguably the best offense in the NFL the first eight, nine games, and then just kind of hit a wall. And, Nico, it sounds Mm -hmm. like what you're saying is they didn't intentionally switch up the game plan, but it was other teams figured them out, and then they had an inability to adjust from there. Does that make sense? Okay, and and you don't think that will be an issue this year? I mean, I hope not. I mean, we brought in Shane Wallman for a reason to to mix things up. You know, some people have been putting the blame on – Pete Carroll for a lot of this. And I frankly think from everything that I've been reading from um, his press conferences at the end of the last year, I really don't think this, a lot of this was on him. It seems like he really was like, you know what, Russell and Brian and Schottenheimer, you guys get in a room together, you come up with something and they did and you kind of let them go. And it it ended up, you know, they they ended up being unable to adjust at the end of the year. Um, And he talked about needing to have that run game to balance out the, the, the pass game. And that's what the the Rams have been doing. Right. Um, For the last couple of years, last year, they really turned to be more run heavy, but even then, that's you, you got to use the pass game to unlock the run game and vice versa. Um, and I, I really hope that they that they don't fall back into to that. And I don't think they will. I think they'll be they'll be able to adjust. Yeah, uh, I I think that so that's a really important thing to watch out for. And I, I don't think that's unique to the Seahawks. I think this happens all the time in the NFL, where either starting strong and and tapering off or vice versa. Um, I think it was just more prominent with the Seahawks because they were so explosive on offense. And it was, hey, is this going to be Seahawks Chiefs in the Super Bowl? And it's going to be 50 to 55. And they went from that from to really not being able to put any points on the board. Uh, And to your point about being run first, I don't think they have an excuse to not perform in the run game. A lot of double negatives there, but Basically, I think they should be able to perform in the run game. One, because Russ is a dual threat, and you have to look out for that. But Chris Carson is one of the more underrated running backs in the NFL. Uh, and, and I think part of it is because you spent a first-round yeah. pick on Rashad Penny. What was it, three three years ago now? Yeah. Two, two three years ago? And yep. uh, nothing has happened. I heard he, he may not be able to make the roster this year. Um, can you talk a little bit about that run game and what your expectations are and if Chris Carson is here to stay as, as the bell cow. Yeah, he's, he's, he's there to stay at the bell cow. I mean, they didn't play him in the, in the preseason for a reason. He's kind of an injury prone. That's kind of been the problem. Nothing. I mean, and, and that's, that's where you, you really do need Rashad Penny to stay, you know, to, to step up. Um, and there, he was on the roster bubble. Um, they decided to keep four running backs. Uh, Alex Collins really showed off in the preseason. So I wouldn't actually be surprised if he jumped. Rashad Penny on the depth chart and became the second string running back, kind of the change of pace guy, which he's also kind of a bruiser. So it's not much change of pace. Um, but even then you have Travis Homer, who, who would be more of that change of pace guy. We keep him in on third down because he's good uh, catching passes and blocking and stuff like that. But I really do think that Shane Rolvin, again, being the running game coordinator for the Rams, they've been so successful with kind of a stable of guys kind of approach, even though Cam Akers was definitely the leading guy. Um, on the depth chart last year. And I, I do think Shane Waldron will be able to create a very efficient, effective run game, which will help unlock more of that offense with short passes um, and, and crossers and things of that nature. 
Okay, so it does sound like you think Shane will be able to get this team turned around and have the offense perform at the level it should. So, yeah, I guess we've touched. And to your sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, to your point. Um, one thing you said last year is at the beginning of the year they were amazing on offense, one of the best in the league, if not the best. And the second half they really turned around. And the kind of the inverse was true for the for the defense. Um, the defense at the beginning of the year was putrid. I mean, there was question that they were, we were going to fire Ken Norton, our defensive coordinator, um, and they really managed to turn it around. And they were, um, by PFF metrics, a top 10 defense in the second half of the year, which, you know, we did go up against some, some you know, poor teams, and, and, and no offense to the NFC East, but we, we played the Giants, we played, you know, the Washington football team, and... You know, a lot of backups there. We played John Wolford and, you know, the last game of the season. So there, there were some sure. bad offenses that we went up against in the second half. But even then, I, I, you know, from the eye test standpoint, the defense looked a lot better. And I genuinely think that if they would have managed to have both the offense and the defense playing at their peaks throughout the season, it would have been a Super Bowl run. I think we would have made the Super Bowl. And that's, I mean, a hot take. And obviously that happens for all teams when sometimes their offense is performing, their defense is not. And but I'm just I'm kind of hoping for 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 that to turn around and 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 looking at that defense we can touch on that if if you'd like um I think Jamal Adams is going to be much better this year he was dealing with shoulder injuries last year broken fingers in which he had a, a number of dropped interceptions as a result um we're healthier on the defensive line we brought Carlos Dunlap back we got Kerry Hyder um from the 49ers who I think is going to be good kind of playing in there in the rotation um. Daryl Taylor, who we drafted last year from Tennessee, who didn't play. He was injured. Uh, he's going to be back. Rasheem Green as well. LJ Collier, who was injured at the beginning, is going to be playing more in, in center. Puna Ford, step up. So I, I'm really excited about this defense um, outside of cornerback, which we can get into. Um, but No, I, I, I'd love to, you know, jump into the defense a little more. I want to pause for one second and just see if there is anybody who wants to call in and talk. I know at the beginning, uh, I said I wanted to get into this, but I feel we've just been running in this conversation. Yeah, I, I, I want to just pause for one sec. Let's see if anybody does want to call in and ask a question. All right. It seems, seems like everybody's uh, just interested in hearing hearing the expert on the Seahawks jump into it a little more. So, yeah, Nico, let's keep going on that train of the, the defense. Uh, and then after we do that, I want to do a quick uh, dive into your schedule and then and then we'll wrap things up. But, yeah, let's let, talk, talk to me about the secondary. Jamal Adams was obviously the big acquisition uh, from the Jets. You paid a premium to get him and it didn't seem like he impacted the team that much last year. Um, so I'll. I'll let you take it from here just as far as what is important to know, be aware of, and if Jamal Adams was really worth that price tag. Because I, I believe you all also gave signed him yep. an extension this offseason, so c- clearly you are still committed. Yeah, no, I, I think there's kind of a, a, a misplaced national media narrative there. Just because he was, he is obviously a strong safety, um, he, he didn't play that position super well. He, he kind of struggled in coverage at times. Um, more less so than I think the national media would say, but even then, um, but he had an insane impact on on the defensive line. I mean, he broke the single season sack record for for DBs. He's on pace to break the um, all time record. Going, I mean, he's and this is his second contract, his first year of a second contract. So I think he he really played a role there. He's a, he's a defensive weapon. I do think he'll be better again. Uh, I do think we actually. I mean, again, I think he's 
as valuable to this defense as Darius Leonard is, and he's being paid less per year. Um, you know, Darius Leonard, obviously, I think is super valuable to the Colts and plays a different position. That's why he gets that premium. But overall, I think Jamal Adams plays, he's more of a defensive weapon. Again, he plays on the defensive line. He rushes the passer. So I, I don't think we overpaid for him at all. Um, I think he's going to be really, really good this year. Um, I think Quandre Diggs is a phenomenal um, guy to have on his side playing safety as well. Um, he's kind of right now, he seems like he wants some changes to be made to his contract. He's going to play. He's been sitting out recently, something I think has gone under the radar, but it looks like it mostly he just wants some of his money to be turned into guarantees, which I understand obviously playing that position um, and, and then renegotiate that contract later. But sure. the, the, the one way I think we should talk about the position is cornerback. Um, I'm worried about it. We're very thin there right now. It looks like we're going to have DJ Reed starting at left cornerback. Um, we let Shaquille Griffin walk. He wanted to be paid too much. Um, and I mean, I'm glad he got his money down in Jacksonville. Um, but I, I, I'm glad we didn't pay too much for him. TJ Reed, it seems, it seems like that's something the Jags do. They just like to overpay defensive players yes. because how yes. else are you going to get someone to Jacksonville? Uh, correct. But yeah, I, sorry. C- keep going. Keep going there. No, no. Yeah. The, the one thing I'll say about DJ Reed, which I think is really interesting and it shows to me that Pete Carroll's willing to change, which I think is something that the national media talks about, the idea that, you know, he's set in his ways, and that's why he, you know, refuses to let Russ cook or whatever. I don't think that's that's the case, at least it hasn't been over the last couple of years, because he did read, typically the Seahawks go for really tall, really long-armed guys, Richard Sherman, right? That was their, 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 the mold. And DJ Reed is short. He's like 5'9", 5'10", uh, and short arms. But he really, we, we, you know, they let him play cornerback last year. He really, really showed out. Um, and they're going to let him start uh, opposite Trey Flowers, who we drafted out of Texas. He's kind of a, a, a rangy, rangy cornerback, similar to that Richard Sherman type mold. We shifted him over to play right cornerback. He's really kind of struggled. Um, he's done everything right, you know, but just things haven't broken his way. But they're going to have him start this year. You know, Pete Carroll loves him, thinks he can really, really um, be a great player. But we also got Akilah Witherspoon, um, who we just recently traded to the Steelers. Um, and that was a disappointment. You know, he was supposed to start opposite DJ Reed and just didn't show up in the preseason at all and failed in the depth chart. We traded for Sidney Jones, who obviously famous story came out of U- the university of Washington and got hurt during his pro day and got drafted and, you know, didn't really just, you know, hasn't really had a chance played was still kind of injured last year in Jacksonville. And we, we, we essentially traded, him for Akilah Witherspoon and we're paying Akilah $4 million this year. So it was actually, I think a good, a good trade. Um, we essentially traded a fifth and then used that fifth to get Sidney Jones. And so anyway, um, that, there's not, these guys are very unproven at cornerback. And so uh, that's the position that I'm most worried by about. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Sure. Uh, you know, I don't, I think that's, honestly an area of concern for a lot of teams in the NFL. Yep. I think the Cleveland Browns when I've been I've been discussing them both on my pod and uh, the Newman Zone end zone and that's really the only concern about that Browns team is can the secondary hold up and you know I mean the Dallas Cowboys have a host of issues and we don't we could have a few pods on that but you know that's always been a concern uh Obviously, Tyron Matthews strong with the Chiefs, but you know their secondary isn't the strongest, as, as we saw in the Super Bowl. I, 
And so from that perspective, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I think if you're going to have a weakness, I guess it's a little more beneficial for that weakness to be something that's not necessarily unique to you that teams more often exploit. Yep. Uh, but so, you know, it's one of those things that obviously you, you don't want that to be your weakness, but you'd rather that than, you know, an offensive line or, 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 or oh a front gosh. seven that can't get any pressure. Um, and it sounds like you have less concerns on those ends uh, of the team. Uh, what I want to do, Nico, before we jump in, I wanted to go from that to jumping into the uh, quick hitter of the schedule and just rapid thoughts on how you think this record's going to pan out. But you've been bringing up Pete Carroll a few times, and I, I didn't have him on the agenda to discuss because I feel it's kind of baked what his reputation is. I think uh, his reputation will always precede him after that decision to, to pass from the goal line instead of hand it off to the biggest bruiser of running backs arguably the NFL has ever seen. But <laughs> can you talk a little bit more about that from Pete Carroll, about what you think about Pete Carroll versus what you think other, you know, the national media portrays him to be, whether it's, you know, ESPN, NFL Live. And it sounds like you are not anti uh, Pete Carroll, unless I'm no, misreading I, that. No, no, that's, that's, I think that's right. And it's funny because the back half of that season, I was, I was kind of thinking, man, maybe we should move on. Um, from Pete Carroll and as you know more reporting came out local reporting beat reporting and I listened to Pete Carroll during press conferences and then listened to Russ during press conferences following the season I I kind of my my perspective flipped almost entirely and I realized that I think a lot of what Pete Carroll was doing was trying to appease Russell Wilson um I love Russell Wilson to death he's my favorite athlete of all time um but I think last year was kind of his fault. And I think a lot of what's been going on this past off season has been at the end of the season was kind of his fault. He held on the ball too long. I think he was a little stubborn with changing the game. I think he and Brian, I mean, he really loved Brian Schottenheimer. So I do think there was a lot of coordination there. Um, and I think Pete Carroll kind of let Russ be Russ more than people realized. And which, which, Carroll which to be clear, is something you kind of have to do when you correct. have an elite quarterback. Correct. Look at what happened with the Patriots and, and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers not getting his way in Green Bay. It's something you have to do to to Carroll's credit. 100%. So I, I see what you're saying there, that you can't have your cake and eat it, too, for criticizing a coach. It's either, you know, uh, people are getting oh, on Matt LaFleur and got on Bill Belichick for not treating Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady respectively the way they wanted to and it seems like Pete Carroll was doing that and that led to the Seahawks getting a little derailed yeah uh, yeah and again I, I love Russell Wilson death but I do think some of the stuff this offseason some of the theatrics which I don't think were necessarily overblown I don't um I think now they are it seems like he's he used that as leverage kind of to get the team to do what he wants on the offensive line and, and he seems pretty happy and I think he also realized that the places he could go to that would have the draft capital to get him he, it would not be a much better situation. It'd be a much worse situation, frankly. Um, but yeah, so I think Chicago. I think Chicago for a little while seemed like it could happen. If right, yeah, okay. I do. I, I agree. I actually agree with that. I think he was. You know, I think kind of he loves um, kind of being a, maybe being in a bigger media market and you know being a hero to a city. He's already a hero to Seattle. That wouldn't that wouldn't change even if he left. I think. I think people would still appreciate him. There'd be some animosity at the beginning, but. Um, so I think he even maybe did a lot of the stuff over the offseason to deflect from some of his poor play at the end of last season. I really do. And that's, you know, again, I'll reiterate, love him. Think he's 
top three quarterback in the league, but I think he, he did struggle down the stretch. And I, and I think Pete Carroll was not to blame at all. Okay. I mean, that clears stuff up for me, and I'll always keep that in mind when I'm watching the Seahawks this year. So thank you for getting into that. I feel like we could go on for an hour talking about the Seahawks team. Is uh, 10 to 12 wins is, is what you, you think the uh, Seahawks are going to turn out with. Is that, is that fair to say? I, yep, I think that's, that's cool. about right. All right. Now, before we wrap up, I want to give a quick shout out to both my parents, Christian and Rajiv Naidu, who are, are listening to my show for the first time. So always appreciate the parental support. Um, but with that, uh, Nico, this has been really valuable for me to learn more about the Seahawks. I hope you enjoyed kind of, it felt like at times venting about your team, but also educating, I think, uh, the 150 plus subscribers for sports with a Z, but uh, anything else you want to <laughs> add before we uh, take this home? No, man, I really appreciate you having me on uh, Zach's parents. Thanks for listening in. Um, and yeah, man, I, I really excited for this season and, and we'll see what happens. Football's back. Perfect. Perfect. Well, everybody, thanks. Thanks to Nico. Thanks to everybody else for listening to sports with a Z, whether you're listening live right now, whether you're tuning in at a later time. Next episode is TBD. Still trying to think about the best team to cover, best fan to bring in. But uh, until then, everybody take care and uh, enjoy the rest of your Labor Day weekend. Thanks, everybody.